Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy. Hello and welcome to We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Darren Ravel, sports business reporter, and I'm joined by my two compatriots in this space that I've enjoyed so much working with over the past couple years, NHL great Theo Fleury and sports biz exec and founder of the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Hewson. Uh, We are really, really excited to do this. We have spoken to so many people, Theo, for his own organization, us at We're All a Little Crazy. Uh, This is an opportunity where we can now speak to you, speak with you, you speak to us. This is a dialogue, not a monologue. And it's really the first great uh, talk um, on mental health. We are totally committed to this space and it has just been so exciting. Uh, I'm going to start off by sharing kind of how does a sports reporter lived his entire life in New York, Connecticut, well, Chicago for a little bit and Northwestern. How do I get together with Theo Fleury, a star, the Calgary Flames. Well, he played in New York. We could have met in New York. We could have met with the uh, when he was playing with the Rangers. And then a sports exec who's worked all over the U.S. in various capacities in the NBA and the NHL. Uh, how do we come together to address what is definitely, whether you've recognized it or not, you will now realize it when we speak and, and, and we have guests on this podcast, the biggest epidemic on our planet right now, trauma, mental health, addiction, suicide, uh, they're all together, even though the media, me, uh, I I take some responsibility. Uh, We don't ever link it together, but they are all together. Um, So Eric, uh, get us started on this on this journey that I'm so excited to be a part of. You know, the amazing thing is looking at the screen and the three of us and and how close we become as friends and how that's happened over three years that if you rewind three years ago, we could pass each other in the street and, and not know each other. And you gave, you know, our various backgrounds and the differences that we have. So it's like, how does, how do these worlds collide where we start working together? And so, you know, I had gone through my own lived experience that really just knocked me on my butt and took my career, which was on the rise in professional sports industry, where most recently I was with the Florida Panthers as their chief revenue officer, and the rug just got pulled out from underneath me. Um, And, you know, just, you know, as I healed, you know, and I'm not going to go into so much detail of, of that story on this first episode because we've got so many more episodes to dive into our own individual stories. But, but, I it's, just but, it, but it, 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 by the way, it's important to say that early 
that that and we will get through this that that each of us we are not just announcers we are not just hey let's put a, a an nhl a great nhl player on this panel let's put a great sports business executive and let's have you know darren Ravel announce this thing to get a little bit of buzz that's not <laughs> why we're here it's interesting you say that because what i was going to share was you know what i notice in this space of mental health and conversations people campaigns that were just moving us in the wrong direction and and in a, in a place where there was more talk but actually less understanding and and darren so i appreciate that you even stopped me at that point is like you've got three guys here who really give a shit about this topic right? there's no other way to say it like we've been through ridiculous experiences ourselves and we care about it um, and so, so when I th went through what I went through, and then I just started looking at the messages out there, um, I, I saw something that was wrong, that was not connecting. And so I just decided to put my personal story out there. You know, the joke is I was not a social media person at all. I didn't have a Twitter account. I didn't have a Facebook. I, well, sorry, I had a Facebook, but I didn't use it much. Didn't have an Instagram. And so I write... <laughs> a 35 minute version of my story. I didn't know how to do video and I didn't know how to show, do short form. And I write- It was only 35 minutes? 35 minutes to read. That's a record for you. Oh yeah, it's probably short, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Darren, you kind of you kind of pick it up from there because- Yeah, I, listen, I, I, I saw the, on the Medium post, 35 minute read and- uh, I, I don't know if people know like my lot. First of all, I have zero attention span. Like I, I cannot like when I walk into a meeting, like people are like making bets, how long I'm going to be sitting down for. <laughs> I have restless leg syndrome. I have. Uh, and so the 35 minutes, I actually like that wasn't a deterrent. I kept reading and reading and reading. And a lot of it was because some of it related to me, but I couldn't believe Eric's story. Um, and I just, I, something was talking to me. Um, I was 39 years old and I, I realized I was just enriching myself and I wasn't really doing anything uh, to put myself out there. And I was in a vulnerable position too, because I had a story to tell, but I didn't want to share it yet. But uh, I did want to do something with Eric because he just poured his guts out. And I couldn't believe that a person who had gone to the depths that he had had emerged with such clarity and to me that was a gift and i that's why it wasn't just me saying oh i have to start my own mental health thing right because like why shouldn't i do that i want the credit i want the you know but it was the it was the how far eric had fallen and how much he had picked himself up to me was so powerful and then i went to meet him well, I, you know, I'm seeing you guys react because we are on video for those who are just listening. And, it, and it, it's humbling because, you know, for someone who's had a difficult time feeling feelings, I'll tell you that that means a lot the way that you guys are reacting when you said that about my story. You know, I think the way that it resonated with you, Darren, is, is the way that it sounds like it resonated with others, despite the length of it, because um, it gets it's get, that those three days, it gets read 100,000, 150,000 times. And and I get these 400 calls coming in from as far as China. And, you know, there was there were similarities with the Chinese call Google Translator. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> they spoke English, so I was able to, to get through that. Uh, but but it's a it's a spreadsheet I still have. So I, that's how I looking back. I know it was 400 plus calls. 
of, of writing down what these people were saying. And so, again, we're going to get into where, where the threads were that I saw the commonalities of the challenges that people were facing and why they were reaching out and why sharing vulnerably resonated. But yeah, Darren, like you reached out, you know, you told me that, um, you know, you had a story to tell. You weren't ready to fully tell it yet, but you, you wanted to, to go out to dinner um, yeah, we had good, good, good Mexican at Rosedale. Yes, awesome Mexican Carolina. place. I was going to say, great, guacamole. great guacamole. And uh, it was right, right on Houston, facing the street there. And um, you know where where the vision was that I wanted to take this. And and I was sharing with you just conceptually the idea of we got to get more towards mental health being on a continuum. How everybody faces challenges. And, and when it comes to celebrities, right? Because I knew you had connections with celebrities, athletes, for sure. I had connections with athletes because of my sports world. And, and the sharing of stories, the stuff we go through, the challenges, the, the lived experiences, and then the misery of some of the symptoms, that's what connects us more than labels. Um, you know, and you told me you got it. And and that night you told me you, you were all in at that point. Yeah, I, I, I was in. And this is really where the important part comes in as far as where our growth has been, because uh, I didn't think there was a, a natural choice for who was who was next, who else should join us, who should be a part of us. And uh, where you realized you did the work and you realized who was the uh, not the biggest name, but a, but a name that people know who who's done the most work. And I think I'm not taking shots at other people mm-hmm. uh, and other organizations, but I think it's very easy to get the number one name and have that person share their story, whatever their story is, however they get it out. Mm-hmm. And for us, I think, and for you, we had to get someone's story that was raw but also the story was refined and that the message was refined and had talked to, to people over and over again, because we hadn't done this. There's no question. And, and even, you know, stepping outside of that world, kind of looking back on it now, you look at the, you know, apps that are in this space and the endorsers that go behind those apps. And it's a central single figure. And it's oftentimes a story is shared on a movie set um, with buzzwords. And so when I saw the way in which, you know, the, the, there was a reaction to my personal story and that we needed to get celebrities to your point, Darren, that it wasn't the AA lister who, who you could spend a lot of endorsement dollars on, but instead someone who was real and raw and was willing to be vulnerable the guy that I thought of was, was the guy that we're with right now is Theo Fleury because I, I was an Islander fan growing up. And so Theo played for the Rangers and, you know, we were, we've been on podcasts recently, Theo and I, and I said, his, his name was friggin' interesting. <laughs> not, not many people named Theo Fleury. Right. And he played in, in Calgary. And so, you know, you, you watch sports center the next morning when you wake up. And so they're talking about the games from the night before. So Theo was the guy to, to, to look out for because of how hard he played. And so I go on LinkedIn because that's where I was having success with this story being shared. And I'm thinking maybe there's a chance I'll get some credibility when Theo sees this. And this was the days of LinkedIn having that tiny little, you know, email box in the bottom, right. You had to fit a small message. in if you were writing to a random person and I, I, I copy and paste this huge email to Theo. 
uh, into that box. And good enough guy to get back to me. And he'll, when you hear his voice in a second, you know, get back to my assistant, Don, right? Don Sills is his assistant now. And he's willing to give me a little bit of time. Um, and, and, and we get on the phone and I'm telling him about this idea that I have of joining hands and not being about one celebrity, it being about us taking back the reins from the media and sharing across a theme of the various challenges we all face, but how that makes us all part of a team. And so as if I had the right to ask Theo Fleury this question, right? Uh, here's this NHL great that I've, I've grown up watching, but, but, but it just comes to my mind. I said, Theo, you know, to make sure I'm working with the right guy in this space, would you give up your favorite NHL goal you've ever scored to save someone's life? And I, I, Theo, instead of me doing justice to the story, I want you to give the answer that you responded to me with because it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and I think it will for everyone who's listening as they hear it from Theo. What did yeah. you answer when I asked, would you give up your favorite NHL goal to save someone's life? Well, I, I said I'd give up my Stanley Cup ring, my Olympic Olympic gold medal, you know, just to change one person's life. And, you know, after telling my own story, uh, you know, I realized that, you know, the real reason I was put on this earth was not to be a successful hockey player, but more importantly, I was, I was put here to be a healer and, and give people hope and, you know, provide guidance and inspiration and, and, uh, you know, all those things. And so, um, obviously the hockey and the success allowed me to, you know, have people listen to my story. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm in this, like Darren said, I'm in this for the rest of my life. And, and, uh, um, you know, this is the, this is the legacy piece that not a lot of people get the opportunity to have. And, uh, you know, it only makes sense that a Stanley Cup champion and Olympic gold medalist is uh, who's experienced trauma and mental health and suicidal ideations and all that. Uh, it makes perfect sense that a guy like me is now in the middle of the biggest epidemic on the planet. And uh, because I have the experience and I've done a lot of healing and a lot of different kind of healing, um, you know, this, you know, uh, same here made perfect sense to me because um, uh, I, I find that there are too many charities that are doing their own thing. And uh, we need to bring the whole entire mental health group. And I'm talking about every single charity that's, uh, you know, trying to do good work and, and are doing good work. We, we need to bring it all into one hub in one place and share ideas of what's working, what's not working and, you know, solve this, uh, you know, the, the biggest problem we have, we have in society. And that is, you know, trauma, mental health and addiction. And, and, you know, because all three of us have experienced, you know, agonizing uh emotional pain and suffering you know like we get it you know we get it uh we know what it's like to be at the lowest point of our lives and then find a group of people 
who are like-minded, who think like us, who, who talk like us. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we're, we're, <clears throat> you know, we're in the, 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 the category of, of collecting people. Right. And, uh, you know, we've collected lots of great people in a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, I think we all live in the heart space as opposed to the ego and, and, and all that space. And we, we, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing because, uh, you had your own thing going and it wasn't because you needed your own thing. You had your own thing going because no one else was really doing it. But then as you have your own thing, you get, um, Eric's message and you're okay with having your own thing and also joining us, which, you know, uh, me subverting my ego. No, if I'm going to give my life to mental health, I don't need it to be Darren Ravel's mental health organization. (laughs) It's got to be, it's got to be real and whatever it is, it is. And the best team of people I can be with is going to be the best team. So I think that unfortunately nine Think about the university tour and the amazing things that happen just by putting ourselves out there and we're willing to step in front of an audience to change the conversation. And how many of those, how many of those kids in in those universities after we shared, you know, came up to us and said, thank you for doing this because I no cell phones, no cell phones for three hours and we didn't confiscate them. They just didn't look at them. Yeah. Yeah. Because because the content was, you know, interesting. The content made sense. And, you know, a lot of those people didn't feel alone. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is you know, we're alone and isolated. That's when we struggle the most is when we're alone and isolated. And so we can find, you know, I, I, I came up with this, you know, saying over the last month is when you find your tribe, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. Right. Because we understand, uh, you know, there's no judgment. There's no ridicule. There's only, you know, there's only love and caring and compassion and empathy and, you know, all those important things that, that, uh, you know, the world hasn't fully grasped onto that, you know, this is, this is about relationship. This isn't about campaigns and this isn't about slogans and, you know, at, at the core of, of all of it is relationships. And, you know, think about the relationships that the three of us have developed from three different, completely different walks of life, but we all have the same experience and that, and that's mental health challenges. And, you know, we got together and we started talking and, you know, here we are now with our own podcast. Holy shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our Eric. So take, so, so take, go a little bit deeper with how the, uh, the Theo relationship continued. Sure. So, you know, I'm talking to Theo on the phone and I'm telling him I've got this idea for a launch event. Um, This is in, to give people context from a timing perspective, this is August of 2017. And so the idea is bring like-minded celebs like Theo, like yourself, who are willing to check the ego, be part of something bigger than themselves, kind of like what Theo was just sharing uh, in terms of, you know, collecting our people and feeling a part of a tribe. And now keep in mind, there is no naming convention yet started, right? Like there, there is no same here. So, so I'm, I'm talking with Theo and I, I'll, I'll give a little bit this way because the timing of this is fascinating. So Theo tells me this story about, I was sharing how I got run over by, by these 400 people who called when I shared my story. Well, 
Theo tells me on the phone about when he shared his story and he was at a bookstore in Toronto and he sees all these friggin' people lined up trying to get his autograph for his book when he's used to, okay, if he's signing a hockey stick, people will come, but he's like, what the hell are all these people doing here? Signing, coming here to, to get the book signed by me. And so he sees a guy in the audience, he's telling me, um, who looks like, you know, he's homeless, right? That's the way you describe it, Theo. Like, you know, beat up hat, clothes are all messed up, you know, a little dirty. And he's clutching Theo's book like it's a baby. And for those of us who obsessively think about things, when you're on, when you're when you're signing things and someone else is online, you're, 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 you can't get your mind off that person that got into your head. So Theo's thinking, what's this guy going to say to me? And the guy finally comes up to the line. And now keep in mind, Theo's telling me the story. So whatever reaction the audience has right now when I say this, Theo says the guy puts his book down, looks me in the eyes, and just says two words, me too. I, whenever I say that, even though I know what the Me Too movement is now, whenever I say that, I get chills, right? So so I Theo says it. Now, keep in mind, my history is not sexual abuse, right? And the time of when Theo tells me the story, Alyssa Milano has not come out with this campaign. Didn't happen until October of 2017. So this is a month or two before that campaign becomes viral. So I've never heard those two words before. So when I hear Me Too immediately my mind goes to holy shit with those two words that guy said a thousand words to you and theo's response to me was shit eric i know why do you think i've been doing what i've been doing for the last 10 years that was the greatest example of courage i've ever seen from someone right and and so i take the me too this is the irony of of, of all this and how these things serendipitously work out i take the me too knowing that we're going to be having this event coming up in November. And I start ideating on it because my, my vision is we need a visual, a sign in some kind of way that we make that shows all of us being on the same team. And so my mind just went to the American Sign Language website. Why? Because sign language is universal to everyone. It doesn't matter. It crosses language barriers. And so I look at the sign for me too, which is your thumb pointed at your chest three middle fingers curled and then pinky pointed out the other person and you're saying me as well, right? It just like what this guy said to Theo. Now, what ends up happening as we're getting ready for this event that Darren, you were at, we'll talk about the event a little bit later is the Alyssa Milano campaign happens, right? And, and I call up Theo and I'm like, look, there's a really powerful message here. Me too is really powerful with respect to sexual abuse I think it's a little broader what we're trying to do with same here with respect to shared traumatic experiences, whatever those traumatic experiences are, sexual abuse may be one of them, but, but, but let's talk about all of these. And so I look for the synonym in the American Sign Language website and I see same here. And so that's how same here was, was birthed. Um, and and, I, and I, I still get chills, you know, thinking about it to this day. And, uh, you know, so so Darren, you want to pick up from there where we're, we're oh, following? Let me that. let me jump in and just say, you know, part of this healing journey has spirituality attached to it. Okay, and I am a firm believer in nothing happens by coincidence, right? And you know, we're telling a story of same here, 
but this was all concocted way before you know we even thought about it right you know and i think that's that's why it's worked and that's why it's come together is because you know there's some there's some other forces working, you know, behind the scenes because it's, there's such a need for it that, you know, you just needed three willing participants who were willing to sort of carry this thing out. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's what I believe is the reason why, you know, the three of us were brought together was to, you know, like you said, birth this baby, which is the same here movement. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been fun to be a part of, but it's also been fun to, to watch as well. So what we wanted to do is obviously we wanted to have some of the names, but we wanted to have it to come naturally and for people to come to us and also for to evaluate people's stories. Not like we were judging them, whether how, how far they fell in terms of their own trauma, but their ability to tell a story and who they were. And, you know, we got the names like Amanda Beard and John Starks, Keith Bullock, one of my favorites, Kobayashi, the, all-time hot dog eating champion. I don't care what you say about Joey Chestnut. Um, and so we, we, we got kind of everyone together. Uh, we had this, you know, one, one big uh, release party, which was unreal. Um, and then, uh, and you know, we, we got to, from same here, we got to, we're all a little crazy, um, which uh, I think is disarming, you know, to begin with, but also has, uh, a, a meaning as well. Um, and I think just hits on the point of, and you can go further on this, Eric, but there's not crazy people and normal people. We're actually all the same. And we're just on this continuum of, we have good days and we have bad days. The normal people are the people who fail to uh, <laughs> evaluate themselves um, and, 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 tr and try to be, uh, you know, normal. Um, but everyone else, every, everyone is, uh, the same in that we all have good days and bad days and we're all a little crazy was disarming. And I think that's one of your main messages, Eric. It's disarming, but I, you know, I'd be lying if, if, if I said that I didn't meet with some resistance early on when I came out with the name. I mean, in full disclosure for the people who are looking at the name and it does trigger them in some way, there's this idea in the mental health space when you talk to professionals that you can't use the word crazy in anything, okay? And why is that? traditionally what this space has done is it split people up like you were saying darren into the affected people they're the sick people and then the unaffected people who are healthy fine normal and okay so if you use the word crazy as a connector which by the way we use the word crazy in everyday language theo that mural behind you looks crazy good darren the graying in the bottom part of your hair is starting to look really handsome on you right like we use this as a way to enhance things. It's part of our everyday language. And so no disrespect to some of the names that are out there. If I was going to use a name like brain health club, right. Or mind health club, I wasn't going to be able to get the 80 plus percent of our society. And Theo will go into that in a second in terms of the breakdown of stats that we hear all the time. I wasn't going to get 80 plus percent of society that doesn't pay attention to this 
uh, conversation to actually pay attention unless I use the word that they use with each other. Oh, come on, man, you're acting a little crazy. Now, for the, for the people who are in the group of diagnosed mentally ill, for which, by the way, Darren with anxiety, uh, Theo with PTSD, Eric with PTSD would be considered in that one in five group so people don't feel upset by this comment. That's the group that takes offense when they hear that word used as a connector to bring us all together. And here's my response to that. If we continue with the same messaging of the labels and the mentally ill and keeping it that way, we won't ever have support. This idea of, quote, stopping stigma won't ever happen because we're remaining in two separate groups. We need ways to connect so that the four out of the five actually become a part of this conversation. And we're talking about it in a five and five way. So, Theo, you want to give a little bit of the story when we were at CBS Radio uh, that first weekend when we met and, and how you and I locked eyes? Well, <laughs> that's weird, but. It's, it's the same way that the media starts every conversation. You know, she started out, you know, the American Mental Health Association states that one out of every five Americans, you know, suffer from mental illness. And I, <laughs> I looked at Eric and I was like, no, man, it's, it's five and five, you know, it's all of us. And, you know, if we're going to solve the biggest epidemic on the planet, it's not going to be the one in four that are going to, you know, change how we deal with this. It's going to be the collective whole group of people on the planet, right? And and I believe that that one in four only adds more stigma to, you know, to what we're dealing with here. And, uh, you know, um, like I stand on stage all the time and I tell people, I say, I'm still fucking crazy. It's just way more manageable. And it's my craziness because of my experience that makes me unique, right? It makes me an individual. Those, those experiences made me who I am today, all of them, good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, um, I used to be a real serious guy, you know, and now I don't take myself too seriously because, um, you know, this uh, you know, they, they say that laughter is, is the best medicine, right? And one of our events was held at a comedy club because, you know, we need to laugh every once in a while. We need to laugh at our craziness. We, we need to laugh at some of the things that, that we did. And, and when you look back on it like that, it doesn't have the sting attached to it anymore because you know that you've, you've worked through a lot of your stuff. If you go back and laugh at, you know, some of the things you did. It's like when somebody uh, sends me a highlight reel of New York, uh, you know, my last year in New York where I'm absolutely losing my shit on the ice. And I just start laughing because I'm like, holy cow, was I in a bad place. And you can know? you tell, can you tell when you look at video, uh, can like, if you could tell, why couldn't the Rangers tell? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they all have mental illness like me and they were caught in the post. I know Theo and I have been on, like, I, I know this is tangential, but when you are a high level performer, Darren, this happened to you when you were right. going to share your story later right. on. You're still, right. You're, on still, TV, you're still good. You, you, said, yeah. Darren, you said this to me once when I, when I was telling you I wasn't feeling good before an event coming up. And you said, 
60% of Eric Cusin is better than 100% of most people, right? And obviously, that's a very humbling thing. That's to a good say, line, right? I, yeah, you should, you should, you should uh, trademark that. T-shirt. And, and and but Theo Fleury is more talented than right. even most of the players on the NHL ice. So when we are dealing with shit that's holding us back, our 60%, 70%, 80% is still better than many people's 100%. We don't know it because we're, we're still producing. The people who are watching us don't know it because we're still producing. So, you know, the, the I think that's an important and I, I, I guess I guess you couldn't tell, and this is a little part of my story, I guess you couldn't tell in 2010 at the Vancouver Olympics when I was on CNBC and NBC that I was just going through ridiculous levels of anxiety and my, my, uh, my wife had to fly out. And uh, I mean, I was a complete wreck and probably the medication that I was put on in an emergency basis got me uh, even further down, uh, you know, and I had to do a lot of work when I got back because I had not done work my whole life, um, which I think all of us, fell into that. And I'm sure that many people listening today, uh, while they work on their physical health, perhaps an hour, two hours every day, they don't work on their mental health. Um, and, and obviously, you know, we fell into situations where we had to work on our mental health. Otherwise, we were not going to live. Um, and so, all right, we've told a little bit of all our stories. And now um, let's kind of get into uh, where we're going to go and where we're going to take you on this journey. Um, so Theo, what, what, what would you say is the main theme of what's going on out there right now? So we have the highest amount of awareness on the planet right now around the subject of mental health, but on the other side of the coin, we have some really, really bad outcomes when it comes to, uh, you know, opioid use and suicides. And, and so what it means is that the messaging is, you know, isn't right. And, uh, and on the podcast, we hope to get it right. And I, you know, Darren, you, in, in asking what the show is going to be about, you know, you, you in the lead up shows when we were doing, um, you know, a number of different podcasts, it just came out of you naturally. You said, we have to make people comfortably uncomfortable. And I thought that was so awesome because we need to call out the BS that we see. And that's the only way that change can be made. You can't prance around this topic and be all nice with niceties and stuff and get to where people are being real and opening up and actually connecting. And, you know, Darren, you're a member of the media. Theo, you're, you're a former pro athlete, still very much in the public eye, celebrity I'm a nonprofit leader now and, and worked as a business executive. And, and the only way to really break this down is to be real with the messages that aren't moving the conversation forward because the media is getting it wrong. Many celebrities you talk about are getting it wrong. Many nonprofit leaders and business execs are getting it wrong. So we're pointing the finger at ourselves as groups that it is not right the way that we are talking about it right now. Theo, go a little more like we're, we're it's not. Well, let me let me interject there. It's not yeah. good enough. It's not good enough just to talk about it. It's yes. not good enough just to talk about it. You don't get a pat on the back. You don't get credit just for talking about it. Check the mental health box. No, 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 no. You have to talk about it in the right way in order to move the ball puck along. The, otherwise, 
you're not doing anything. You're doing everything that's been done in the past. Or are you moving us back, Theo? I mean, you know, without giving names, you're a public figure. The thing that drew me to you was your vulnerability. Yeah. There's got to be people out there and explain to people. I'll help you too if, if I need to call around it. But like with the public fig- figures who just share on a mental health day and they share this information and I'll let you fill in the blank of what this information is, or they just announce it one time. It's not a mental health day, but they just, it's in relation to something that's coming out on their, you know, media tour. Why does that set us back? Why is not all talk good talk? Well, talk has to have action attached to it. Right. And, um, you know, the message the message to talk is, yeah, we definitely need to talk, but what are we talking about? And, you know, I've been in this space for almost 13 years. And to me, it all comes back to trauma. You know, what brought me into the mental health space was trauma. What brought me into the addiction space was trauma because it was a way to uh, suppress my emotional pain and suffering. And then it got to the point where booze wasn't working, drugs weren't working, crap tables weren't working, women weren't working, nothing was working. And so, you know, I had to, I had to make changes. I had to make, do it a different way. And, you know, the last thing I tried on the list was openness, honesty, and willingness. And when I stepped into that, space and I started telling my story and I wasn't taught when I told my story, I wasn't talking about PTSD. I wasn't talking about depression. I wasn't talking about anxiety. I was talking about my trauma, you know, living with my parents, uh, being raped 150 times. And then, and then me taking over the abuse of myself for the next, you know, 25 years after that, you know? And so, um, you know, we need real stories from real people that are talking Again, about Aaron, the media. If they don't do what Theo is saying, you're a media guy. You've seen that you've been in this space long enough. If celebrities don't share vulnerably the way that Theo just said, and instead they just share a label, a name of a label, you know, raise their hand and say, I am this, which is even bad. Instead of saying, I have this. What message does that send to the masses? It's, it's, it's a problem because you only got three minutes. Yep. You only, you don't have 35 minute medium posts for most people, right? You okay. got three minutes. You got to wrap it up in a bow. It's got to look nice on TV. It's got to be quick for the internet. And so what often comes out is I suffer from this and you never go deep. Like Theo said, it's not deep. It's I suffer from this. And then someone says, well, I suffer from this too. But didn't, you didn't really get that far because all they're doing is saying they suffer from it. And as you know, part of your comeback was also getting to the root and understanding the root exactly. of where the PTSD comes from. And then, so you can't allow other people to understand their roots if it's just fill in the blank has fill in the blank. Yep. Right. Blankety blank. Yeah. And and we're glad we got you into this new show. What a show. We 
and I'm, I'm not trying to be criticizing of all media people, but unfortunately it works out as a mental health. Yeah. You as reporters are willing to do a great job with the story. It's the editors and the people who are guiding the editors that are fucking this shit up. Bound, bound by constraints of the system. Yeah, exactly. So how great is it that we have a podcast now where we have basically an hour and an hour and a half to really, you know, unpack all of this stuff and, you know, uh, tell these great stories of people that haven't faced uh, unbelievable adversity in the mental health space. And this is what I did to get out of it. Yes. Right. And, and, and our editor has no power. Sorry, <laughs> he's got no. We have the power. We have the power. And, and, and so, in that, I know we're we're we're, we're tongue in cheek, joking a little bit, but like it's going to give us the opportunity to bring on members of the media and hold their feet to the fire and say, "Why is this happening this way?" It's going to allow us to bring out other celebrities and say, "You shared your story this way. Do you think this resonates? Do you think it draws people in? Does it do more than just build your business?" It's going to allow us to bring in. I'll bring in other nonprofit leaders and I'll ask some difficult questions of them when events happen in the news. Why are we not more vocal? Why aren't we more vulnerable in sharing what actually happened and how it's tied to mental health? Politicians we're going to bring on and talk about why is there no action around this topic? Where wh What's going on behind the scenes? Who's pulling the strings? Um, you know, the viral campaigns, Steve was talking about campaigns. We want these quick fix campaigns that are just going to get people to just stop stigmatizing. That's not how it works. These campaigns don't work that way. Um, and then even school and office environments and, 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 you know, watching some of the mass shootings that, you know, th this shoot wasn't a mass shooting, fortunately, but the shooting that happened in that school in, in Knoxville, it's like, you know, we're not addressing core issues. We're checking the boxes on things. That's all we're doing. And the thing is, like, Theo, you tell me this all the time, that mental health literally impacts everything. You know, one of, one of our friends, Darren, is Royce White, who, who said if Elon Musk uh, invents, you know, a, a renewable form of energy, it, that's a mental health story. Why? Because people who can't make their electric bill and are nervous as shit and get full of anxiety that their heat is going to get turned off now can breathe a sigh of relief. Right. Because it's now more affordable to have that energy. That is mental health. Mental health hits every topic of our society. So so Darren, well, well, think about yeah, think about think about think about think about the space that we're living in right now. You know, COVID is the most traumatic thing that's happened since World War Two. So, you know, they say if you think about the past, that's depression. If you think about the future, that's anxiety. Well, we don't know what the future looks like. So the, the whole entire planet is living in this high state of anxiety. Hamster wheel, Hamster wheel too. Yeah. Every day is the same. Taking yeah, yeah. away all our interaction, which, yeah. which allows us to, to face ourselves more than ever before. We, we can't go out and be with other people. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We're in our houses longer than ever before which is one of the reasons why people have sought to seek that dopamine of winning eBay auctions and everything that comes in the crypto and everything else, because you need to get that excitement in the, in your brain yourself. Uh, I want to kind of move ahead here and, 
and talk about uh, kind of just give people a taste of what we will be talking about on our show. Um, you know, uh, there was a story uh, about Brett Favre uh, using opioids and and he had mentioned it before, but it came out like, you know, that he was closer to, uh, you know, death than we ever thought. That was one that was in the news recently. Uh, same day, a major Italian soccer coach, um, a major assistant coach uh, for Alabama football decided to leave their positions and say they were working on mental health. Every time that happens, people say, uh, whoa, and we say, yes, it's just like a physical injury. Um, but I wanted to start by talking about Favre, Theo. It seemed like the story was pretty topical in that it was the events of a certain time where he took, where he was taking, you know, whatever it was, a whole bottle of pills every day. Yeah. And it seemed like that was pretty much it. Can you believe that Brett Favre was taking a whole bottle of pills every day and now he's admitting to it? So what was, what was your uh, criticism about how that was shared and interpreted? Well, you know, as a, as a former athlete, you know, uh, you know, the opioids weren't really mainstream, you know, when I was playing, but we had this thing called the Voltaren. Yes. And so, and so you woke up with a Voltaren, you went to bed with a Voltaren because, you know, as a professional athlete, you're living in constant pain all the time. Right. You know, I, as a former athlete, I live in pain 24 seven, right? I have arthritis in my neck and my back and, you know, I, I can't work out. So because I can't work out, I'm in terrible shape. And so, you know, this stuff just keeps compounding, right? But the opioid thing is a, like the Oxycontin thing is a whole nother level of, you know, addiction. And, and once you start it, like, it's no fun to get off of, right? Is, and if you look, and if you look at Brett Favre's career and the way that he played, it made perfect sense to me that he got hooked on because you know, they lauded his career of "Would you believe he's right. back again? Yeah. Another yeah, week, he got his neck pulled off, and woo, Brett Favre is back." Yeah, but but, but also it was it was about, and I think Eric, you but, were, but but listen to this, we. We are taught as very young people to trust what our doctors are telling us, right? And, and, and therein lies part of the problem and part of the issue is, you know, like when I was prescribed the first prescription of clonazepam, I didn't say, well, why am I taking this? You know, I trusted that the doctor who that took Zanax, an oath, who, who took an oath of, is that Xanax? You know, yeah, it's 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 a form of an opioid, which is yeah, in the same. It's a, benzo, it's a benzo. Yeah, and it's supposed to be for uh, uh, like high anxiety and all kinds of stuff. It's very powerful, but you know because because the doctor takes an oath of doing no harm. He writes the script. I trust it. I take it. I get hooked. Right. 
and and I could see that I could see that totally. But then just like everything that we've seen, uh, especially when someone dies, it's this mystery of someone dies, and uh, they never go deep. They never go. They're never going deep back. They're never saying why Brett Favre had this issue to begin yes. with. Was it just physical pain on the field? Doubtful. Doubtful that it was just a cycle of pain, and he got into it that way. Yeah. Like like you said, trauma. Go back. Um, Vincent Jackson, the death of Vincent Jackson, uh, that story of him in a hotel and him being discovered uh, so young. Uh, but then, it, you know, it gets to the details of his death and then, you know, likely that he died by suicide. And then then we go into the auto default of its CTE. And then and then there's no way you can tell the story uh, any other story but that, Eric. Well, so so off the heels of the Brett Favre thing, the takeaway that I get is Brett Favre addict opioids, right? That's it. That's all people take away from this. And you compare that to Theo's story where Theo is probably the best person to be able to opine on this, having played at a similar time and having needed to go to vices for similar reasons to escape pain in any form. And what Theo's saying is there's so much more behind the story and what's behind the story is what connects us. And that's what makes us feel part of this tribe of all people who suffer. But when you don't share that, it's shrouded in mystery, right? And so, you know, I, I was just looking back, you know, you mentioned some names, Aaron, you know, th that same day that Brett came out with that story, you had Cesar Prandelli, who was the elite soccer coach. You had Jay Graham, who was the assistant coach, from Alabama who, who take off for mental health. None of these reporters tie this together, okay? By the way, this is off the heels of Noah Friedel from South Dakota who takes off as a Division One basketball player for mental health. You got the Drew Robbins story, uh, the, 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 the baseball player who shot himself in the head. You got the Andrelton Sim uh, Simmons story where he took off for mental health at the end of when he would have to go into the bubble at the end of last year's baseball season with the Angels, no one threads this together. Now compare this to other topics that, that our media have covered that are health-related, right? So I was just looking back, and I was like, okay, when it was the AIDS epidemic, we heard about Magic Johnson, about Arthur Ashe, about Greg Luganis, all at the same time, right? We were educated on it. They threaded that together. Even with COVID right now, right? Tom Hanks initially, but then the all the way to the Sharon Osbournes of the world, like didn't matter where you were in the political spectrum, every time it was tied back to within those stories off the heels of this, this, and this person who've also struggled with this. That never happens with mental health. It's always the train wreck story by themselves who dealt with it, put them in the one in five category. They're part of the crazy group, shut and closed onto the next person. And that is where we need to hold the media's feet to the fire. Theo, you're right. We'll bring in media people to find out the difference between the person who writes a story, like an Emily Kaplan, and the person who does the headlines and, and, and edits it. We need to get that because the details of that are so important. Yeah. Well, I know when I came out with my story, sexual abuse story, and I, like, even before the first book signing, you know, I did 300 interviews. And guess what? The only thing they were interested in were the gory details of my sexual abuse. That's all they wanted. And so I had to, um, I had to train the media 
as how they could talk to me, you know, because I wasn't going to put up with the, with the BS, you know, I wanted to get a story of hope and healing and recovery, you know, out to the masses. And that's what needs to happen here is nobody wants to hear the, the train wreck story. You know, I want to hear the story about, you know, the guy that acknowledged that he had an addiction problem, a mental health problem. And this is what I did to get to where I am today. Well, Theo, that's what you want to hear. That's what we want to hear. That's what our society needs to hear. It's not what the media has been trained to do in terms of what gets the most eyeballs. And then the big picture thing we'll talk about after, you know, other episodes moving forward, Darren, I know we'll wrap it a little bit here is what are some of the other industries and powers that be that feed off of this idea of keeping us into two separate categories of the sick and the healthy that don't like messages like ours that bring people together because it continues to line their pockets. So our goal here tonight uh, was to kind of give you a taste of us and how we came together, uh, what we are going to be talking about. We want this to be our stories, your stories. Uh, we want you to be a part of us. Um, we want you to suggest ideas. If you see things, we can't see everything. We want to kind of be conduits. We want to tell those stories that don't seem right, need a deeper dive, all of this, uh, because the goal of, of our exercise here is not to just have an exercise. It's to actually get work done, uh, move the ball, uh, do something that's substantive. And we think and we know we can have an impact here. Uh, so we look forward to future uh, episodes. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast to recommend it. Um, to tell others about it. Um, and uh, this has been We're All a Little Crazy for Theo Fleury and Eric Hewson. I'm Darren Ravel, and we are all a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs>